0: It's time for Baldry's Beat. Keith Baldry, Legislative Bureau Chief for Global News. Good morning, Keith. Good morning. Okay, so the breaking news at this hour is Vancouver back in the running to host some World Cup soccer yeah. games in 2026. FIFA has now officially designated Vancouver as a candidate host city. Oh, isn't that nice of them? They're considering <laughs> Vancouver now.
1: Well, it's interesting. This was first pitched a few years ago. Uh, the BC NDP government said no, right. uh, not interested, because FIFA. they, they characterized FIFA as wanting a blank check, requiring all sorts of extraordinary expenditures to go uh, to a company being a host city, including building a standalone energy uh, supply. Uh, yeah, and, they wanted you know. a
0: separate power grid for yeah. the whole stadium.
1: Yeah, and uh, so it was really exorbitant. So I've been f- tracking this for some time behind the scenes, and it seems that FIFA has dropped some of its uh, requirements, but not not entirely. We haven't seen the details. I'd have a hard time believing the government is signing on to the same contractual arrangement that they dismissed out of hand a few years ago. I think FIFA, so- FIFA has softened some of its uh, demands, but we don't know yet. It is going to cost money, but it is also
0: a pretty powerful tourism draw. Do they still want the two grass fields? Yeah. Not, not one grass two. field. Two grass two fields. Two grass and fields. And Clay, something goes wrong with the first one. Yeah, still unclear. I mean, what
1: what FIFA was looking for before was pretty exorbitant. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was the proverbial blank check. My understanding, talking to some officials the last few months, that has softened, but we don't have the nitty-gritty details yet.
0: Okay, well, let's have a listen to Vancouver Mayor Kennedy Stewart speaking recently on this, and he's gung-ho for the World Cup. Here's what he had to say.
1: I will recommend to council that we triple our past World Cup investment in 2026 and commit up to $5 million to help stage this event. A promise from the city's mayor to help bring the 2026 FIFA Men's World Cup Games to Vancouver. Vancouver had previously withdrawn its bid back in 2018, but both the mayor and the premier say times have changed we're coming out of a global pandemic our tourism sector has been buffeted perhaps more than any other sector I'm
0: working as hard as I can to get us on the list on a very short time frame okay so he did he was able to get Vancouver on the list here to be considered but don't kid yourself this is going to cost a heck of a lot more than five million oh, bucks
1: Kennedy Stewart talks five million I think Toronto City Council estimates the cost for Toronto be upwards of 250 million dollars
0: yeah. 290 290 290 million that's yeah. what Toronto estimates for what maybe four Games so Canada so, gets ten games right.
1: uh, if, and there's three cities in the running: Vancouver, Edmonton, and Toronto. Right, I'd have to say Edmonton probably ranks third there in terms of likelihood of landing games. So maybe we get two or three games in Vancouver. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure what the price tag will be, but it's certainly going to be way more than five million dollars. It's probably going to be uh, uh, in the hundreds of millions of dollars. You
0: might, you could make an argument that Vancouver might get four games Maybe. i mean that would be the highest number you could probably achieve but the, the thing to remember is bc place it's an old stadium but it's probably the best stadium in the country for soccer
1: well it's indoors and it's uh it's not uh, real grass so there's going to be some uh well some they got other, to a f- wheel
0: in that gra- that turf well field. they're going
1: to take the roof off uh you know it's retractable so they can do that but you, again the grass is is going to be an expenditure yeah. Uh we still don't know if FIFA's looking for that, that additional power source, which is incredibly yeah. expensive <laughs> as well. So we again we haven't seen the details. I assume as I say FIFA has softened some of its demands, but it's interesting. It it is I think the argument can be made, it's a powerful tourism uh tool because it's not just the World Cup games, it's the residual After effects of people seeing Vancouver on the world stage and wanting to visit
0: one of the things that really got under the skin of the Horgan government a few years ago when they ruled this out the first time around was there was like you talk about the blank check clause. There was a clause in the original deal. It said FIFA can basically change the deal. After the deal has been signed yeah. and any additional costs would go to BC taxpayers. Yep. Yeah. Like that was just right in the deal. And we I, can change this later and you pay for it. I'd be
1: surprised if that's still part of the deal. I think that had to be yeah. changed as well. But governments of all stripes are in this, so as we're becoming post pandemic, we're not out of it yet, are looking for economic stimulus packages of all sorts. I mean, we're spending money the likes of which was not even imagined pre pandemic in terms of federal and provincial aid programs. So uh, this is seen as another stimulus program. Okay.
0: Well, I'm looking forward to the calls on this if people think we should spend a ton of money here to host some soccer games. Here's something to keep in mind. Uh, here's what FIFA does sometimes when they show up in a host city for the World Cup. Have a listen to this. This is Moshe Lander. He's a sports economist. Here's what. Here's his warning. Listen to this. The thing with FIFA is that they micromanage every site that's going to host World Cup games. And what happens is FIFA starts showing up saying, I don't like this. I want this. Add this. Add this. And that's when the cost can start to go up. Yeah, don't kid yourself. That's, the cost can go up real that's high. That's
1: part of the blank check. So I think governments are willing to come at this with a different attitude than pre-pandemic. Now that we're in this extraordinary situation going through two years of uh, unbelievable economic standstill in many ways, uh, government's attitudes have changed to programs like this.
0: Let's talk about public sector strikes and whether they're coming to BC and the BCGEU union, one of the biggest government employee unions, I spoke to the president Stephanie Mm -hmm. Smith on the show earlier this week and she told me they're getting ready to take a strike vote uh, because the two sides are so far apart. They put out, the union put out a video to its members just advising them what's going on. Yeah, we're having this strike vote. And the tone of this video is quite interesting. Uh, Have a listen to this. This is uh, a union official, Matt DiMario, here on why they want a real strong strike vote from government workers. Listen to this. The strong strike vote sends a message to your employer that you're staying together and standing
1: behind your bargaining proposals. And that kind of a message is a powerful incentive to
0: get the employer back to the table. Yeah, so they don't want some weak strike vote. They want like an overwhelming strike vote.
1: Well, my take on this video, which is quite extraordinary, I've never seen a video like this before, is that I I would think that after there's been this series of news stories, your show, our show, on the potential for a strike vote, that they probably got a heck of a lot of calls from union members saying, what are you talking about? And I think this, this video is like Labor Relations 101. Uh, telling people what is a strike vote? What yeah. is strike pay? And I think it reflects the fact that the GEU has never been near job action for decades. And so I think they've got a mass le- uh, membership who have had no experience at whatsoever with going on, on strike or even taking any type of job action. And they're literally having to educate them through this video which again is just the basics of negotiating and what what is a strike vote it's, it's, it's quite extraordinary
0: let's listen to a bit more of it now this is judy phillips who's the vice president of the union listen to what she says here
1: we're already getting questions like how to strike pay work what proposals are left on the table what would happen to vacation or telework or gradual return to work agreements what happens with my mortgage or my rent payments Those are just a few examples, and we want to make sure every question you have gets answered. Yeah, what if I
0: go on strike and I can't pay my rent?
1: Again, I think it's trying to educate people who've never been through something like this before. We haven't had a lot of labor disruptions in B.C. on a mass scale. Um, In the 1980s, we certainly did. The G.U. was on strike a couple of times but they have not they've been one of the first unions to settle so again this membership has never been through something like this and i think a lot of them are probably freaking out a bit
0: yeah i wonder if some of these workers are a bit nervous or scared about going on strike especially with inflation the way it is now the cost pressures everyone is facing
1: the problem with going on is i've been on strike twice in my career it's not the nicest experience you don't necessarily come out on a positive, net positive, because you're basically, unless you're getting pretty high strike pay, and I'm not yeah. sure if the GEO has been building up a strike fund. You know, we, when we went on strike for a first contract at global or BCTV, as we were called in the 1990s, but we had built up a pretty healthy strike fund. So your strike pay, because it's untaxable, it was mm. a landmark decision on that as a result of a Vancouver Sun and Province strike in the 70s. Um, we didn't lose money. We were able to be on strike the entire summer mm. and not suffer a, a, a net decline in cash uh, or in income because we had this very high strike pay. So we'll see what the GU is. I mean, they're they're talking about strike pay. We'll see what their strike pay fund is. If it's high enough, that's enough to sustain a lengthy strike.
0: The other thing that happens in a public sector strike, if we get to that point, is essential service levels will kick in. And often a, a judge will get involved in that. And say, okay, you can go on strike, but you can't shut down hospitals. You can't shut down some of this critical infrastructure. Well
1: most of the essential services are in healthcare and education, yeah. and so the GU is not really involved in those things. So sectors. They,
0: could they shut down okay, the BCGEU represents liquor store workers. So yeah, could, they, not, could they shut down the liquor distribution branch?
1: I would think so. They've done that uh. in the past. Uh, the shutdown liquor you're not gonna have essential service levels at liquor stores, sorry folks. Um, <laughs> some people would say that's essential. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, so that has a ripple effect effect on things like the restaurant industry, which of course needs, you know, serves wine and beer and spirits. Uh, And over time, that could have a severe impact, but we're not there yet. And and one of the... The person you just played there, uh, and I've been involved in labor negotiations before. Again, you do want to tell your membership to have a strong strike vote because that yeah. signals to the the employer that you mean business. BC Teachers Federation, for example, which is always uh, which is the union that takes more job action than any other public sector union over over the years, always delivers a pretty high strike vote yeah. uh, in the ninety percentile, uh, which again just signals to the employer we we mean
0: business. Okay, the union seeking a five percent raise or a raise that matches the inflation rate, whichever is higher.
1: Inflation in the States right now is running for food prices is 8.5%.
0: Wow. Yeah. So th- we're getting into big bucks here. Well, a, fi- a 5%, and everyone gets the
1: same. A lot yeah. of people don't know this. If the GU were to get 5%, all the other unions have what are called Me Too clauses. Yeah. So everyone gets the same increase in the public sector. So a 5% increase for everyone in the public sector in one over three years. Uh, billions. $9.3 billion wow. to, the, to the fiscal plan. Okay. Two years is about four and a half. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com.
0: All right, welcome back. Public sector workers getting set to take a strike vote, looking for a 5% a year raise or higher. Phone me on that. Tell me if you support them. Also, Vancouver now officially in the running for World Cup games. 604-280-9898 is the number. Star 9898 on your cell. Steve and Delta. Hi, Steve. Go ahead. Well, well, first off, I thought, you know, the NDP and the union were buddies. I figured they would just, you know, work through it and, and negotiate the contract while they worked boy oh boy that's surprising and you know five percent seems reasonable but the one thing about government unions they not only get the best raises they have the best pensions the best medical the best time off uh you know best wages so it's really hard for people in the public to feel sorry for them although like i say five percent you know i take five percent i think that's reasonable okay steve thank you for the call
1: yeah, I don't, I'm not sure how much public sympathy, um, public unions are going to get right now. J- certainly judging from the phone calls we're getting on this, this show over time, there seems to be more negative than positive in terms of supporting them. But, um, again, they're still negotiating. Everyone's still negotiating. Uh, the GU has taken a hit the pause with the government, but there's still work being done at, uh, there's 182 contracts, 182 negotiating tables. All of them, wow. for the most part, are still ongoing. So we're not at the, at the precipice yet. In fact, I'd be surprised if we see much job action until the end of the summer.
0: What about the caller's point that he's surprised to see this with a labor-friendly NDP government? Should we be surprised?
1: Well, I think this government, this NDP government is different than the NDP government of the 90s. It's less. It seems to be less beholden to some of its sort of activist past. Yeah. And I go back to them um, approving, giving the green light to the Site C Dam. Which yeah, they opposed yeah. in opposition, a huge project, and they said go. And they've 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 been clashing with environmentalists on a number of issues. Uh, so I'm not surprised that so, uh, there's an impasse here.
0: So you think Horgan will be tough with these unions, or will he? Well, I don't think, yeah, I, I don't think he's going to
1: give into a a, a ten billion dollar settlement over three years. But I do think sure. they're going to improve what's on the table right now. Yeah. I mean, this is just again, this is the start of negotiations, and this yeah. is the way it works. The government's going to have to sweeten its offer. There's no question, and yeah. the, and the public sector unions are probably going to have to temper their right.
0: requests, and sure. you meet in the middle. John in North Vancouver. Hi, John.
1: Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, I, two, two comments. Uh, one from the uh, from the prior prior caller, um, so I won't repeat uh, the benefit side. But uh, I think people forget that uh, taxes that we pay aren't tax deductible. So in order to get a five percent raise in the hands of public sector unions, it actually costs taxpayers in the neighborhood of seven percent. And I, you know, I don't know about anyone else, but. Um, 7% on top of the taxes we already pay uh, is completely unaffordable. And I think they're being um, very disingenuous about what they're asking. So the majority of our taxes that we give the provincial government goes to labor costs, $38 billion. Uh, So it's more than 50% of the entire budget goes to the wages of public sector employees. That includes management. Mm-hmm. as well as, as uh, unions. So it's, it's the biggest part of government. So your taxes do pay for the settlement, whatever it's going to be.
0: Let's go to Steve on the line in Coquitlam. Hi, Steve. Go ahead. Uh, hi, Mike. How you doing? Uh, thank you for taking my call. Um, sure. You know, with the pre- unprecedented cost of living these days, um,
1: I really don't think this would be happening that much. I don't think they'd be going for that much. Number one, I say give them the 5%. You know what I mean, with the cost of living, which is crazy, as far as FIFA goes, you know what I, that all that money for you know what this is Vancouver. they should be paying us to be playing you know to be, you know be playing soccer
0: here. That's just crazy. Well they're uh, not gonna they're not gonna pay us, that's for sure. Keith. We're we're gonna be
1: paying FIFA, and there's no yeah. no question. Uh I still think the back to the the settlements, I still think look for the government to sweeten the signing bonus. That hasn't got a lot of attention yet. I think that does an end run around union negotiators and goes right to the heart of the membership. If you dangle three thousand dollars in front of yeah. people, they'll they'll accept a lower percentage squeeze, wage increase.
0: Squeeze in one more. James and White Rock, you got thirty seconds. Uh, I I just think the the wording is kind
1: of kind of bad. I think fair and right are two different things. Like it, it's 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 fair to ask for the cost of living, but when you look at the private sector, I can't I can't go to the people that I work for and say, yeah, my my gas went up twenty cents a liter, so I'm going to charge you twenty cents an hour more. I can't I can't do that. Okay, thank and you, thank that, you,
0: James, thank you.
1: Yeah, well, just a history lesson. People go back to the 1980s, early 80s. Bill Bennett brought in a wage restraint program capping wages at, I think it was 14% a year.
0: (laughs) Wow, that was restraint. Yeah. Okay, thank you, Keith. Have a good weekend.